he made that. Uh, I'm, I'm recording now. He, unpopular front. He made that fucking video from Inglorious Bastards where he made himself the Uber Nazi, and we got so much fucking flack for that. Like the comments <laughs> I got was like, I can't believe that pro Russia shill. And I'm like, bro, if you only knew like how big of a shit poster he is, like fucking just either laugh or get out of the way. Like, God damn it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's a targeted attack against the funniest. It's the, he's the funniest guy on the platform. He's like, let me just inverse everything and not take it seriously where they do <laughs> yeah but all right let's uh let's let's do this officially uh so today we've got afe recognition here um we wanted to talk mainly about ukraine the counteroffensive, what's going on and honestly this war has become completely mechanized it's no longer like airborne i mean there's a little bit of a naval component but i mean honestly it's just all tanks it's all trenches and there's nobody else who's probably the fucking subject matter expert other than afv recognition so we brought him on to talk about the counteroffensive and what he sees what he thinks and basically talk about it since it's pretty much failed and now the third counteroffensive is underway and so this this one's gonna crack the boat this one's this one's gonna sink the russian ship so is there any bda been released in terms of like mechanized vehicles being destroyed because the russians claim something like like something like i don't know five to ten bradleys in a tank a day like they captured a french tank the other day the uh the amx something or other you know what it is jake but yeah AMX one of those. They're like, yep they're like it's going right to the victory day parade next year they are going to have such a cool display <laughs> yeah they also captured a dv90 today well not today yesterday. Really? yeah yeah, I haven't seen much on the counteroffensive. So started June 8th. They've my, taken a grand total of like probably what 600 meters. But like in a line. Yeah. It's it's bad. The last I checked it was like somebody said it was like a 200 300 square kilometers, which if you think about the monstrosity of size it is Ukraine, it's it's honestly nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody has released any BDA numbers. I mean, there's a couple of trackers, but the the main thing that I've told a lot of people this is if like if you release the BDA for either side, like if we can get an accurate number for either side, we can tell right away. Like the intelligence community who was in, or you know, guys who are in and just don't have the clearance for it, we can tell mm-hmm. right away who's going to win and who's going to lose. By now, like 17 months, 18 months into this war. If you told me, like somebody said today, that the OSINT community did a tap into the Russian deaths, and they think it's something like 47,000 to 50,000 Russians have been killed over the last 18 months, which if you ask me for an all-out war and how this is going, like that's that's 10% of the half a million you need to get rid of Russia. And so it's mm-hmm. if we got the Ukrainian numbers, and that's why they're guarding those bda numbers close to the chest because once you start counting bradley's once you start counting all this stuff it's exactly like you know afv said on the last episode king tiger 2 like you're gonna start adding up maintenance you're gonna start adding up parts you can start adding it all up and you can go oh they're gonna win or oh they're gonna lose and the fact that they're hiding the numbers has me convinced that it's not going well like (laughs) 
I'm, I'm just looking at like estimated BDA right now. Uh, give me one second. Uh, so according to Russia, you take it with a grain of salt, they've destroyed well into 1,250 armored vehicles from Ukraine and killed 26,000 plus. And if you think, well, what did the Ukrainians start with? Like 50,000 maybe for a counteroffensive? That's, that's so quite like, low compared to the uh, Ukrainian BDAs that, that they put up. Yeah, the Ukrainians come out and say they've only lost like, what, 1,200 guys or casualties, not even KIA. But then if you look at the other side, Ukraine says, oh, we've only lost um, or we've killed, say, 24,000 Russians. So they're just pretty much just copying and pasting. But the, uh, the estimated Ukraine BDA coming out from the Russians or against the Russians is just infinitely smaller in terms of like mechanized equipment where the Russians are just like directing everyone into kill boxes and smoke checking them because they're like, we just we don't have to attack. We just got to wait. You need three to one odds to storm a trench. Like, you just got to wait. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the Ukrainians are sort of playing into that as well. And I mean, this is one that's been like really harped on about. But um, that, that picture that was getting shared of all the leopards and the Bradleys that were destroyed. Um, mm -hmm. I think like the, the playing into the, the going into the kill box, it's like with this CV90 that got captured uh, yesterday, right? So, if you watch the video, which is on Twitter, um, the video shows the CB90 just driving across an open field. Um, there's one vehicle behind it, which is in shot for about five seconds, but its turret's not even traversed in like the direction of enemy threats. It's completely it's facing the wrong way. Um, and he doesn't actually follow the vehicle that gets hit. So this vehicle is just driving across alone. It's got no infantry support, no tank support that you can see. Um, and then gets hit by an RPG and the, the crew bail out and jump out. Um, and it's, it's, again, it's, it's similar to the picture of the Bradleys and Leopards where, like, it's just poor armoured tactics. It seems that they're doing worse in the armoured and mechanised realm with Western equipment than what they were doing with the Soviet equipment that they already had. It's the same thing you said <clears throat> the first time he came on, where you're like, yeah, they don't... In terms of logistics, he's like, all these crews are going to be overstretched and tapped. You just got to make new battalions for everybody. You just can't take a T-series mechanic and go like, now work on a Bradley. You're like, huh? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's completely different. It's, um, I, think, I think one thing that's going to help the Ukrainians massively is um, recently a plant's opened. Um, well, I don't think it's open. I think it was already there. But basically the Polish have granted that the Ukrainians can send the leopards back to this uh, repair plan so at least they've got something some kind of outside source because obviously poland have leopards themselves um mm -hmm. so at least mm -hmm. they've got like an outside source that they can use to get the vehicles repaired but i don't think um i think the the russians originally everyone thought they'd capture the leopard because they were getting pictures with it but it looked like a few blokes it just like a few infantiers who jumped out the trench ran over took a few selfies next to him and then ran back off um mm -hmm. so they've not got hold of one of them yet which is, I mean, pretty good for the Germans so far. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. If they keep abandoning vehicles the way they're doing in the minefields and stuff, then they're mm. going to lose just more and more. Here's a pretty good headline. I just type in Ukrainian counteroffensive. Here it comes up with counteroffensive in full swing. Ukrainian troops advance 12 kilometers. And you're like, man. <laughs> what? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I was sat in the pub yesterday and, like, the media is so, like, blindly pro-Ukrainian like they just there's no there's no criticism towards it at all it's just like yeah just give them time give them time 
and it was this fella on Sky News and he was saying, um, he was like, yeah, the Ukrainians have taken back more than the Russians actually gained in this war. And it's like, well, for a start, all, all like the whole Kiev front and Kharkiv, they pulled back out of that so they could just focus on one front anyway. So, I mean, the Ukrainians didn't exactly push them back. The Russians left themselves. Like they, they left themselves so they could focus on the east. Um, but the media is spinning that as if like the Ukrainians have taken back the, the whole country. Mm-hmm. So going back to the initial thing, I mean, the there's a, there's a lot of things that were kind of glossing over that people who may have served or they didn't serve in a, a combat a combat arms capacity or anything like that. You talked about the kill box. Um, I've mentioned the disruption zone in the past, which is the, the, the recon place of pain and then the minefields and all that. And then the, the Bradley's in line. Can you talk about, cause I'm sure like your head just exploded once you saw the, the, the first video, which was all those Bradley's in a line in the minefield and stuff like that. Like if you were talking to a regular civilian, how would you explain what, that convoy or what these convoys keep walking into as far as like the kill box the disruption zone and what they're because like most people are saying like oh they're going into russian territory and we're like 12 kilometers isn't much like that's the disruption zone and that's where like the recon element is like can you describe that to people who have no idea what we're talking about because like to us it's like that ain't that's nothing You're, you're 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 not even in the trenches you're not even at the main point of battle you're just fighting the reconnaissance and disruption elements. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, so um, I think the, the Russians seem to call it the grey zone, essentially, which is, um, obviously, like you said, it's in front of the first line of defence and it's just recce um, and stuff like that. And the recce as well as sort of Russian recce is quite different to, I'd say, British and American recce. The Russian recce is quite heavy. Um, the recce elements have stuff like tanks involved and ATGMs and all that kind of thing. So it's like a fighting unit anyway. Um, so I think that's why they're struggling to get through. But the main reason is, so the Ukrainians are advancing into these fields, um, which are full of mines. And these mines are both from the Russians and the Ukrainians as well that were laid on the withdrawal. And it seems like they didn't mark them out on maps. Um, and that's from what I've heard from various people on the ground. Um, so basically what they're doing is they're advancing into these fields which are completely mined. They don't have much air cover anymore. Um, and when they're getting into the fields, the lead vehicle will hit a mine. And usually what um, Western armies would do is withdraw pretty much. They'd, they'd completely pull back out the area. You'd get the engineers up who would then start looking to clear the minefield. But first of all, you'd be scanning in depth as well. You'd have tanks sat out in wherever protected uh, forest or anything like that you've got. Um, and you'd have them scanning in depth for targets whilst the engineers are going out. Now, I don't know where this is happening, but at the time where we've seen all the pictures of the Bradleys and stuff like that, there was a lot of engineer units that got killed. And I'm, I will add as well, that these are like key units. These The breaching vehicles and stuff like that are quite rare. The um, Ukrainians don't have many of them. They lost a lot of the Soviet ones that they had originally started the war with. And then the NATO ones, you've lost quite a few of them. And these vehicles, like I said, are absolutely key to getting through minefields. It'll just, if you lose these, it's going to make it a lot slower. Um, have, you, have you seen anything about the Ukrainians using like a leapfrog method, like the American like army marine seas, where they have one guy coming um, out, the other guy suppressing fire? I'm not sure how we do it like on our armor side, but I know like the infantry side of things, if they're coming so from you, these armored vehicles. Yeah, so I've seen, I've seen 
that on both sides really and i think the way i explain it to sort of my mates who are like infantry or something like that is when you look at vehicles it's essentially the way you'd move as a section or a squad just on a larger scale essentially you do leapfrogging or like pepper potting and stuff like that um mm-hmm. and you've got different movement states that you choose um and the ukrainians with the western kit didn't seem to be doing that because as you could see with the bradleys and stuff and the leopards they were all just in one field like the they, they were all so t- close together. Like you'd never do that as infantry, never mind in armor. Um, so yeah, they, they're getting bunched up in fields. These and poor tactics. I'm not sure what the Germans were training. Them. I'm not sure what they were teaching them. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, they shouldn't have been doing stuff like that. Really, they shouldn't be so bunched up. They should be letting the engineers go ahead whilst providing cover for the engineers. And also, I think they were probably the Ukrainians probably pushed to go on the counteroffensive as well by the US. Uh, no doubt. And I think with that, they probably should have waited for more air defence. As we've seen, a lot of them Leopards and Bradleys were getting taken out by helicopters and the Ukrainians just couldn't do anything against it because they didn't have any air, air defence. From the PSYOPs angle, I don't know if how you read this, but to me, telling Russia you're going to invade or conduct a counteroffensive the morning of, or like, what, two, three days prior, they sent that viral video of like the shushing. I just thought it was funny. It was like, in terms of like, sounding the alarm bells, like indication and warning. It was like, oh yeah, the Russians were like, cool, thanks for giving us a heads up. I just thought yeah, that I think was, that was quite, to me. I think that was quite mad to do, really. Um, I feel like the, I, f- I feel like they probably should have, rather than doing adverts, um, they probably should have been looking at doing stuff like deception. Um, I know mm-hmm. it's been used before. I'm pretty sure it was Gulf War One where the British used it, where um, they basically recorded all the comms from a massive exercise um, played these comms through an unsecure net whilst the Iraqis were obviously listening um, and these mm-hmm. were all the wrong grids obviously and wrong locations and stuff and I feel like if they had done something like that um, and you know I mean so the Russians because the Russian EW as much as people won't won't like me saying this Russian EW the, the world leaders in EW 100% and I think if they had done that the Russians would have listened got a load of grids, what they thought were correct and stuff, and then the Ukrainians went in on a completely different angle. I feel like that would have worked a lot better and caused a lot more confusion. Probably they would have broke through, I think, potentially, if they used a lot more deception rather than just an advert of some bloke telling you to be quiet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the shush video. That's uh, so funny. But, um... Yeah, what have you seen, like... When it comes to the mechanized units like the Bradleys and the Abrams and the Challengers and stuff like that, have you seen them counteract or, or retaliate against UAVs? Because the amount of Ukraine or Russian drone footage getting released of them just smoke checking armored columns is staggering. No, I've not I've not seen anything like that. Um I've not seen anything of vehicles engaging drones, to be honest. And I think it'd be probably quite hard anyway. Um I know that trying to hit a drone with a rifle is absolutely solid so um i mean maybe the vehicle would be a bit easier probably bradley with 25 mil but still i feel like you'd, you'd struggle quite a bit mm-hmm. i think the, the best thing for drones essentially is stuff like them uh, anti-drone weapons if you've seen them they look like massive like toy guns almost yeah and they're basically just like ew knocks knocks it out um i think ew and stuff like that is the best counter for drones yeah um, so there's a there's a page I actually like 
couple hours before this, I was looking through. Uh, his name is Sentinel Society. They go over like all of this stuff. They're like trying to integrate drones into all types of tactics and like showing like EW and the stuff. And they posted uh, Forbes in December 24th posted 90% uh, of Ukraine's drones have been taken out by Russia's EW. And then Rima was saying that for every one drone that's Ukrainian, there's four drones that are Russian per square, four drones per square kilometer. So, and from my, from my experience and what I know of like the force structure of Russia, they have the EW and cyber capability at the battalion and brigade level versus like in the American army, we barely have it at the division level. And so it's, I don't know how much longer these drones and these positions can for the Ukrainians can keep up. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more drone swarms as time goes on, but that's what I'd say about it. It's just like Russian EW, it may not be good, it may not be the best, but if you've got a mid-tier EW system at every you know, company and battalion level that's taken out these drones, it's it's not even fair. It, it I mean, even for like the American army, that'd be like that'd be a problem. Yeah, definitely. I think um like 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 you both said, I think recently looking on stuff like telegram i think um videos coming out of drone footage is like most of the time coming from russia lately um yeah i'm not seeing not seeing as much ukrainian drone footage as i used to and that applies for other stuff as well like um, javelins and stingers as well obviously not seeing as much of that as we used to be and then the other, the other thing i was going to say is like so from like the angle that i'm seeing it like you said, like the disruptions are in that gray zone. In in Russian doctrine, they talk about trading space for time. And what they do is they gladly accept you coming into their defensive perimeter, into that gray zone. So you hit those mines and stuff. And going back to, like you said, about the their heavy reconnaissance, like the, the tanks, the BMPs, the BTRs, and those ATGMs, it's just... I, I, the Wunderwaffe effect that's just kind of enticing everybody, the Leopards, the Abrams, the stuff like that, it's just... These ATGMs, these I don't. I'm gonna say it. The 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 F A G O T, uh, the faggot ATGM. <laughs> like it's it's cheap, but it gets the job done, and it's taken these these Bradleys and these Leopards out, and that's what's waiting for you in the disruption zone. And they, the Russians want you to take that because as you advance, like you said, those those K A fifty two alligators are gonna come up off above the tree line and engage and then you're going to have fires from you know artillery pieces i mean it's been said that for every five thousand artillery rounds that ukraine is firing uh russia's firing twenty thousand. so the closer you get the more weapon systems that turn on right so you had the mm -hmm. 155s at the edge of the disruption zone but as you get closer you know those 105s turn on the 102 or the 120 millimeter mortars, the 82s, the 60s, like by the time you get to the battle zone, those entrenched positions, you've already fought reconnaissance, you've worked your way through uh, an AT and personnel minefield, you're, you know, there are trenches in the disruption zone where they really want to engage you and make you hold up so that they can get you to sit tight a little bit for artillery. And everyone's saying like, you know, they're killing these conscripts in those trenches. Well, I mean, you're not going to fill those trenches with good dudes. You're going to fill them with conscripts. They just need to sit tight so that you can artillery those positions so that when they hit the main battle line, like I said, you've, you've hit 
ATGMs, you've hit heavy equipped scouts, KA-52 alligators, you've been artilleried the whole way to the battle line, and then you're finally engaging dug-in turret defilade tanks and infantry. And it's just, the idea is to beat you down so that when you do engage the Russians on their actual turf where they want to do battle, you're so tired and it, it just doesn't I pan out. Right. What's up? Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, it, it's just, it's kind of, like you said, there's a lot of media saying a lot of things, but the thing that I think irks me the most and why I think we're all kind of pissed off at it is that it's not the truth. It's, it's a half truth. Like, Oh, they took 16 kilometers. Well, they're trading that space for time. Cause every day that goes by that trench in the battle zone where they really are dug in, where they don't want to lose ground. Like it grows stronger. There's more tanks showing up like, Oh, it's a T 55. Yeah. But it's a T 55 that you can only see the turret. You can't hit the body. You have to hit it at the turret cause it's dug in. And every day that goes by, mm-hmm. like, I'm watching AFV's page. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, there's just like, they could get T-34s. That doesn't matter. It's still a T-34 turned into a pillbox. And it's just there every day I watch your page, bro. It's just more tanks, more systems coming in from the East. And it's just, I'm not seeing enough videos and I'm not seeing enough killing and carnage from the Ukrainians against the Russians to make up for these trains and trains and trains of tanks that show up on your page. Like, to me, it's exhausting seeing your page because you're just constant two to three times a day. You're posting tanks and factories in the Russian land. It's just like, how much do they have? It's, it's, dude, you're like working overtime over there on that page. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so disturbing. I think, <laughs> like, I think, um, yeah, like you said, it's just, it's only getting stronger. That line is only getting stronger. I remember posting like six months ago, I think, might have even been longer. And the Russians were digging trenches then, like, way before the offensive was even considered like the, the russians were digging trenches then and um they're yeah, they're only they're only going to get stronger the russians have got so much like it's old soviet stuff but the trench digging equipment is like so much better than what the west have like the, i don't even think the british army has purpose-built trench diggers um whereas whereas ours have uh, whereas the russians have sorry um but yeah, i don't even think like the british army or uh, the americans might i don't know but yeah, we've just got sort of uh, dozer blades and stuff like that. Whereas if you look at some of the Russian stuff, it's, it's insane. It's pro- proper um, specialized equipment purely for the defense. And they've got tons of it. And like you said, they're just digging more and more trenches, laying more and more mines. Um, and it's just that line's just getting thicker and thicker and stronger and stronger. And yeah, I think another thing as well, like you said, with the T 55s, a lot of people laugh and joke about it. But at the end of the day, it's still a 100 millimeter cannon. Um, and. In this war, we're not so much tank on tank, to be honest. It's mainly tanks for fire support against infantry. Um, so, yeah, you can laugh at 100 mil all you want, but when 100 mil's like smashing you in the face whilst you're trying to get onto a trench, it's not, you're not going to be laughing then, are you? So, yeah, I think um, Russia have just got tons of stuff that they can still bring out of storage. Um, there's, still, there's still some storage, but I look at them on Google Maps quite a bit, and there's some storage bases that since the pictures are updated, haven't even changed like there's still stuff that's still there and even t80s and t72s and stuff like that as well as all the artillery um there's i sent another one today i don't know how true this is okay um because the the source was quite questionable because no one else has posted about it at all um but apparently russia have got a trade deal with north korea and they're going to get like loads of rounds from north korea um because obviously north korea's main battle tanks still use 
100 millimeter and 115 millimeter from the T55 and T62. Gotcha. So North Korea, obviously, have got probably millions of rounds for them guns. So I think they they might be giving them to the Russians, um, which means yeah, they've just got even more artillery now because the Rus every Russian tank pretty much has a indirect fire mode where it can just elevate and and then be used to sort of makeshift artillery. Yeah, I've I've seen that from the Ukrainian side as well. Is like I know there's some things that people say like you can tip an MI24 up and fire dummy rockets like artillery. That's not true. I hate it. I'll die on that hill. But like I do know that like the majority of Russian tanks, AFVs and BMPs and stuff like that do have a system to be used as indirect fire support, which is crazy because that means like not only is like you know the artillery shooting at you but like you said it's still a hundred meter it's not still a hundred millimeter cannon like that's not it's not a joke that's that's enough i think you said that's more than enough to to engage an abrams and hurt it and so because like i was talking about the bmp3s and you're like yeah that it's got a hundred mil on it it'll take on a ta it'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a tank and i was like shit that's that's a lot <laughs> like and and then you got soldiers inside that BMP with ATGMs and uh, dispo like one-shot RPGs, like the RPG like twenty nine or whatever. There's more than just the RPG seven out there, so it's it's a little wild to well, see that. Yeah, you got to look at like the adaptability of just the soldier on the ground, like be it Russian or Ukrainian, because if we just like we laugh at stuff like this at how dumb it is, but if we look back to World War II, the Germans took their anti-aircraft gun, the eighty eight. And just use it against tanks and fucked up the Russians and the French and the British and the Americans. They're like, oh, we can dual purpose this. At the time, everyone probably thought it was really dumb using an anti-aircraft weapon for uh, indirect support. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like, if it works, it works, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think is it, a tank as well is like, I mean, the Russian tank train is sort of questionable on what they're getting. I know there's the corruption is like deeply rooted, but... Um, a tank's only as good as its crew as well. So if you've got like quite yeah. a, a good commander in there that can sort of motivate the crew, then that tank is going to be just as effective as any other tank, really, uh, no matter how modern it is. I think um, I think it's just key to watch as well, like how many Russian tanks are coming out of like upgrades as well, out of um, like the repair plants and the factories. Like as many T-55s and T-62s as we've got coming out, like I said last time, um, they're still just upgrading T-72s, T-80s, T-90s. So um, as much as the old kit's coming out, the new kit is is coming out just as much. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you talk about that, when you talk about those upgrades, like the, because we talked about this last time, right? Like the thermals, like every tank, like almost every tank on the Russian side has a thermal. You know, almost all of these tanks have the rounds, like that one kid was saying, they have the capability to uh, upgrade the tanks and keep them on the line purposely, right? Like thermals, uh, the rounds that can take on Abrams, the rounds that can take on the Leopards and stuff like that. So, like, what are those upgrades and how do they impact the battlefield? So there's there's a few different upgrades. So um, we'll go through sort of uh, each tank and I'll, I'll go through the upgrades. So... The, the main thing that they're trying to do, and, and this isn't something that the Russians have just done. I think a lot of people, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll squash a rumor now is that Russia are pulling T-62s out because they're desperate. So if you look at every every exercise the Russians do, like Zapad, Kavkaz and all that, a part of their exercise every year is 
to pull T-62s out of storage and upgrade them and refit them. So the Russians have been doing that for years, the past 10 years. So that, that's that's something they've all, always done. It's not because they're desperate. It's, they've always maintained a strategic reserve, well, attempted to at least. So with the upgrades, so the T-62, um, and T-62M specifically, so that receives the 1PN96MT-02 site. So that's just a thermal site, basically. So it gets rid of the old uh, infrared site, and it's a thermal site. The quality isn't the best, but it's still a thermal site. It still makes it better than um, something without a thermal. You know what I mean? Um, so that's pretty much what's, what that gets, as well as that. It'll probably get a bit of contact one added to it, as with everything. Um, the T-72, so T-72, the old T-72Bs, they're getting upgraded to T-72B uh, OBR 2022 um, and 2023. And those, again, are the thermal sites replacing the old IR uh, searchlights and, and IR sites. Um, as well as that, they get the T-72Bs get like a horrific amount of armour added to them, um, which I think could be a, log a logistical strain eventually because going off on a bit of tangent, but... The T-72B doesn't have the same engine as the B-3, so it's got a lot less horsepower, a lot less torque, and the transmission, the engine are older. So I think the amount of armour they're adding, which is equivalent to the B-3, um, will probably eventually start taking strain on the transmission and stuff like that because they're adding quite a few tonnes to that vehicle because the amount of armour is just insane. It covers the complete sides, covers all the rear, all around the turret and everything. Um, so I think eventually we'll start seeing them probably start dropping out and breaking down, I think. Um, as well as that, you've got the T80BV OBR 2022 and 23, which is um, it, it's essentially a T80BVM, same armour, but what makes that an M is the Sosna U site, which is the better quality thermal. Um, but instead, it's got the old 1P9 and 1PN96MT um, added to it, as well as that extra armour everywhere, which is the common theme of these. So, extra armour all across the whole sides, turret rear and rear of the vehicle as well um and then the t90m uh, upgrade for 2022 that's again just armor focused um just armor all over it as much as you can i think they've realized that era is absolutely key um and as much as people often joke about them slapping like contact one and everything it, it does work I've seen it work a lot of times uh it is it is worth worth the upgrade and i think with the Ukrainians as well, adding them to Western tanks, that also works. Like CB90, they got hit the other day. That hit probably could have been, uh, it probably wouldn't have penetrated if it was uh, if it had a bit of BRI on it, which it didn't. But yeah, I think with the upgrades, I think um, the Russians are just slowly adapting, and you can tell where they've perceived they've got the perceived weak points on the tanks. So specifically, if you look on like the T72B 2022. Um, They've added the RA around the gun mantlets, which previously didn't have any. So that's quite a weak point there. So you can see where they perceived for the weak points to be, as well as the roof mounted cages as well. Obviously, they are, I'd, I'd probably say, they're generally quite effective against drone drop munitions. Um, I think people think they're for javelin, mm -hmm. which I think most people did originally, but obviously it's not going to really do anything against the javelin. I do have a question building on top of that. So while they're pulling out the other stuff, the older stuff from uh, storage. Has there been any from uh, the Russian side of things, any updated main battle tanks? So I mean, the T fourteen. I did see something a little while ago that said that it debuted on the battlefield a few weeks ago. Like, what's the likelihood of Russia actually pulling out the better stuff? Are they just going to start? Would they use um, their supplies first? 
or so I think kind of like do a test run. So I remember, I remember them saying that the T14 was was in Ukraine. Uh, I I personally don't think it was um, mm. purely because I think if it was out there, they would have made a massive song in that spot. It would have been pictures and videos everywhere, uh, which has been not. So I think knowing what the Russians are like, if they would have announced it, they would have also added videos and pictures, which they didn't. So I don't think that's been up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the T90M, though, is more than capable. Um, and they've got they've got them coming out of the factories and they've got them in service. Um, and that's more than capable for taking on Leopards, Abrams, uh, Challengers and stuff like that. Um, it'd, even, it'd even probably outmatch a few of the the uh, older leopard variants completely, so like the leopard to A4s. Um, mm. As yeah, it's, it's got quite a got quite some heavy updates. So yeah, I think the T90M is the best out there uh, in the fields, next to the leopards and the Abrams challenges. Do you know where those are being stored at? Kind of like rear D behind the, the um, so or forward line of advance. Depends on the unit that's using them. To be honest, I've not seen them. I've not seen them used as much as the others, obviously, because there aren't as many of them. Um, but the last time they were used quite heavily, really, was uh, Bakhmut. They were just they had them in the streets at Bakhmut at one point, providing fire support. Um, and then mm-hmm. the forest in, uh, I think it's Krimina. I think that's how you say it. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but the fighting around there is like very heavy in terms of tanks and stuff like that. It seems to be a lot of the best kit from the Russian side seemed to be in that forest because the stuff like the BMPTs, they were in that forest, uh, the T90Ms and all stuff like that, as well as the VDV recently were there again um, on on BMDs and stuff like that. Have you seen any, especially with like the Russian Marines and their Paris or the VDV, have you seen them adapt at all? Because we talked about before, Cody and I, that they're more of mechanized airborne infantry. Are they... Like, what are they using? Because I know back in the day, it was just like BTRs, BRDM, stuff like that. And I mean, like back in the day, like a year ago. So have you seen any improvement on that side of things from the Russian side? Yeah, so they're pretty much using the same stuff that they've they've had since the start of the war. But um, I I think it's a shortage of equipment, but they mainly use the BMD, which is obviously a lighter BMP, essentially, um, for for air dropping and, and to be it can fit inside helicopters and stuff like that um, so they mainly use them but quite recently I've seen that the VDV seem to be using just normal BMPs which are obviously for normal uh, motor rifle brigades so I think mm. either they've got a shortage of the equipment or they've just decided that they're going to use the BMPs instead because BMDs are obviously due to the lightness are like very weak um, to the point where I think they can only protect against like 762, uh, the early ones across the frontal arc. That might not be mm-hmm. right, but it's, it's there, thereabouts, very likely armored. Whereas the BMPs have got a bit more armor. So, yeah, I think it could be a mix of both shortage and the better protecting. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I was going to ask so, the last one is uh, Wagner. When they went and they did their, I'm going to put quotation marks on it, coup. Because like now they're in Belarus training up their forces, and I, I, I don't know. I don't say it. They're they're getting them ready. They're getting Belarus ready. But when you saw that coup and you saw the tanks that Wagner had, you saw the mechanized and tank capabilities. Was there anything special coming out of there, uh, or was it just like, oh, this is just more 
T72s, a couple T80s maybe, and some. I know they had BTRs. I think I want to say, uh, but I, I don't remember much. But do you? Do you remember anything that stuck out for Wagner? Yeah. So, so Wagner Wagner got quite a mix, and it's generally quite good kit as well. So, um, when the T90s, so S is the export model for the T90. Um, so most of them went to like India. India got a lot of them. Algeria, Vietnam, Azerbaijan. Um, so Russia, for whatever reason, either cancelled the sale or had some in storage, and those tanks went to Wagner. Um, and they're generally quite good tanks as well. Um, as well as that, they had BMP2s, um, yeah, BTRs, like you said, and a couple of T80BVs as well. Um, and then when they handed back the kit, that's when it just had like a complete array of kit. Like um, they had T90Ms, they had all sorts of stuff that they were handing back. Uh, artillery pieces even like light guns and stuff like that and it's i don't know i find it quite odd he, for a mercenary group to be having stuff like that but yeah they, they had a, a lot of surprising kit they were basically equipped like a, a normal russian motor rifle brigade gotcha so it, it really is right like it is kind of coming down to the fact that the russians have just made this a meat grinder then like it, it, the vdv have basically gone away with their special toys wagner is equipped like a mechanized unit like it's just it's just like if you if the way you're talking about the kit everybody's got the same thing they've all got bmps i got a couple btrs here and there but it's mainly just tanks and bmps and trenches and atgms and so it's just every time i I think about this we 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 look at it and people call us like pro-russian or whatever crap it's just like how can you not see that there is a pattern forming here of just like you're saying like the kits the kit's all the same, and like, you're like what you're saying, like Wagner has some better toys, but they, I mean they're the same toys really, and and so it's, God, it, just, it like if you were an Intel guy or somebody, and you're, you're sitting there and you're looking at this map, right, as, as as you describe it, like Wagner's got better toys than most, but they still have like the export models and stuff, like the VDV have given away their toy, their BRDMs for BMPs, and. It, it, it's just a meat grinder. Like, how do you not sit there and go like, stop attacking, stop doing counteroffensive, stop doing this. Like they're waiting for you to come in there. They're just going heavy and making it a meat grinder. And so it's like, if all these, cause the, the faster systems, right? Those, those BTRs, uh, we've seen the Chechens with those AFVs that are like upgraded MRAPs that the Chinese use for export and stuff like that. Uh, everybody, all those fast moving vehicles, all those systems that are meant for like strikes are not on the battlefield. And so like as an Intel person, you kind of sit there and it's like, we identify people by what they have, right? Like if we see BRDMs, we're like, oh, the VDV or the Marines are here. Uh, BMPs and BTRs mean certain motorized units, but like none of those things are on the battlefield. And so those fast moving systems are somewhere. Do you think that they're gone because they're just dead do you think they're be i i I would say like we got to find these because that's where we're going to see the russian next offensive come because seriously there hasn't if you don't count bakhmut which was just simply wagner putting a bunch of prisoners into a meat grinder which i wouldn't count like russia hasn't done any offensive operations for well over a year and Every, like I said, every day it's just building up, and then you're talking about this. It's just like, where's the fast stuff? Where's that lightning strike? The BTRs on wheels? Where's all of that? Do you, do, do you have an idea where they are? Or? 
No, so I've not seen I've not seen many BTRs for a while. Um, so maybe the in the rear, like you said, prepping for something. Um, I think BTRs would never. I don't think they'd ever really keep BTRs in a in a defensive role as well, purely because they don't have eighty gems. So like, if you've got the latest one, the BTR eighty two A, that's pretty much just a thirty mil cannon. Um, and that's it. That's his most offensive weapon. So I think the BTR is probably held in the rear. I did see recently, um, I put some pictures on of cannibalized BTRs um, that have been completely stripped down, obviously to keep other ones going. Um, see, I don't know whether they're back in Russia on training or behind the front prepping for something. I don't know, to be honest. There's something worth looking into, I think. Yeah, I, I saw those BTRs, <laughs> the cannibalized BTRs that they just like took apart and put on the roadside. Um, the other, another question is like, as you kind of track these movements, as you track the equip, the heavy equipment and stuff, is there anything uh, in Belarus right now? Because I know Wagner's up there right now. They're training with the the dudes, the territorial defense forces, the SOF, all those guys. I I think they're getting them ready to come down the river again uh and attack Kiev. but as far as like heavy equipment and stuff like that is there anything in belarus is there a build-up is what's going on up there um i've not seen any russian equipment in belarus and obviously like i said wagner pretty much had all the heavy stuff taken back um before they left for belarus so um i'm not too sure on that to be honest again something I'd have, to, I'd have to look into but i know that belarus has got quite a big storage of vehicles themselves um whether Wagner will be supplied with it from Belarus, I probably say that's quite unlikely. I think the Russians had potentially given kit back again. Uh, but yeah, I'd I'd have to I'd have to look into that. I know that the Wagner base is um I had a look at it on Google Maps and it's near an old um nuclear bunker. So yeah, I don't know if the, I know they've got the big camp, but yeah, it's also built next to a massive old nuclear bunker. So <laughs> probably all living in there and whatever they've got in there as well there may be some vehicles in there yeah um or i imagine just an ammo dump to be honest but, yeah we're build on the comment that cody made about the um the russians not doing anything for essentially over a year just sitting and waiting just grinding people down uh, did anyone have any idea what they were using for battle tracking or how they were keeping all their guys organized, or simple, simple admin things you use in like the U.S. and British military. But I don't know. I haven't seen anything on what Ukraine's using. I have, you know, guesses, but I haven't seen what the Russians are using. And from what I've seen, the Russians are a completely different beast from you know February twenty fifth last year to today. It's it's almost night and day the way they approach tactics, the way they approach their own doctrine. Where before it was almost like an ad hoc shock and awe, you know, let everyone go. From what I've seen now, they're very much more professional. And I just have like a wonder of how they're keeping track of all these different parts fl flowing in and out with all like bringing out the the T-64s, T-72s, T-90s, all the different, how are they like segregating them into their own designated corners and then tracking the parts and all these things like that. Because I know in the American military, like if, you, if you're missing a screw and you work on a helicopter, no one goes home till you find it. So... <laughs> Just wonder how the Russians are going about that one. I guess in the Ukrainians too. But um, I'd probably say I'd probably say the individual because it, essentially, so if you if you go on if you go if you're interested in sort of satellite um, imagery, intelligence, and stuff like that, if you, if you go on Google Maps, um, firstly, if you go on like an orbit for the Russian army, and you go on Google Maps, 
Um, essentially, each brigade's base has its own storage area, and you'll usually see it sat near sat near the base or, or next to it, and it'll just be full of vehicles. So I think in terms of battle-tracking vehicles and stuff like that, I imagine it's down to the brigade itself um, from their base because, of course, they'll probably have, like, when anyone deploys, they'll have a rear operating group who are sat there um, just maintaining the camp and stuff like that. And I imagine they'll be the ones prepping the vehicles to send them out. Um, so I think it'll be down to the brigade itself um, or probably the brigade's uh, support company, potentially, who'll be dealing with stuff like that. But I think in terms of spares, it'll just be cannibalisation. Um, I think mm -hmm. the only stuff that spares will be being made for now is stuff like newer tanks, so T-72B3s, T-ABBMs, T-90Ms. I think everything else will just be getting cannibalised. Um, and yeah, I think they'll just be coming from the brigade bases, the, the, the little storage units on the on the camps. Um, they'll, they'll be coming from there and then they'll be assigned to a unit. It's stuff like uh, the unit, um, which is sort of the main focus for the British EFP battle group in Estonia, which is 138th Motor Rifle Brigade. Uh, they used to have T-72B3s, but now have T-62Ms. Um, mm -hmm. So they must have, I think they had some heavy losses where they've lost a lot of the tanks and they've just completely been reassigned with T-62Ms. Yeah, I've, I've seen that, like you said, the Polish factory and stuff like that. Like the Poland has basically given up their entire armament. Like they've given up all their bonus, uh, you know, their spare parts. They've given up all their T-series tanks for new Korean tanks and stuff like that. Like it's... <sighs> I don't want to be the negative Nancy again, but it just, it just kind of keeps coming back to the fact like there's this obscene blind optimism to the whole war and like the way you're talking about it. Like now we're at the point where like Russia's cannibalizing things. We're, we're losing the Bradleys, we're losing the Leopards and the Challengers and they're not making a big difference. And it's just, how, how, looking at this from a, a, a non-biased perspective like numbers and like what you're saying and things like that it's like how do you sit here and not have a ceasefire because the ceasefire would like oh russia wouldn't abide by it like doesn't mean we have to like the ukrainians doesn't mean we have to either like we can build these systems up and i know you said like yeah the leopards are being taken out but there's those storage units in poland that they're going to sit there and they're going to rebuild that but that's what like a two-day train ride to poland get it off assess it start fixing it like one two weeks of fixing it like it's out for a month essentially until it returns to the front line and then the whole time yeah. you're praying that those leopard trained ukrainians don't get thrown in a t-series and then die because then you got to train them all over a new crew all over again and so it's just at this point it's kind of like listening to you talk and like hearing like what the gear is on the ground and how that translates into the situation it's just like it's it's it may be time to really consider like hey we need a ceasefire to rebuild ukraine and and talk about this because obviously this is not the answer like if we you know the cluster munitions was a key for the united states like we literally had joe biden come out and say like they're out of ammo there's no more ammo for the ukrainian guns anymore and it's just like you're saying like it's cannibal it's cannibalism time baby like fuck like mm -hmm. at what point do you like i know like we're probably Croto and a kit bag all sitting there negative nancy but at what point do you have sympathy for the guy on the ground who's only got two weeks training we're coming up with awful answers to questions that need a good answer like where are we going to get these tanks how are we going to fix these what about the crews what about the maintenance and like i don't see how 
any staff officer, given the situation, uh, like, and for those that are civilians, like a staff officer, somebody who does intel, logistics, personnel records, like Matt's saying, like there's, there's no system of record for who's dying. We don't have a system to know which units are where. And from like uh, the the Russian way of war, the book, like the Russians just kind of denote something on a map and say, here you go, there's your op board, go to it. And it's just absolutely mind blowing that like this has turned into a war of attrition and everything that you're saying is just like, no, like we're running on fumes, duct tape, WD-40 and like wishes and hope at this point as Ukraine. And then at the same time, like Russia, Russia's still, you're, you're, you're saying like they've still got potentially a ton of T-80s and T-72s and stuff in spare parts yards. And then Belarus has, doesn't even need Russian equipment. They have their own. And now they got Wagner as well. And you're just like, God, man, like give Ukraine a break and, and, and let them consolidate and reorganize. Cause at this point it's just, uh, there's nothing left. I remember like a year ago this time, there was a female Ukrainian medic who said that all the Western trained Ukrainians, like we trained, I think like 120,000 Ukrainians from 2014 to 2022. And she said it, she's like, all, all of them are dead. Like Azov, uh, the Ukrainian Marines at Mariupol are all dead. There was a picture that came out. Uh, I think it was Analyze Educate. He posted that the the commander of Azov was reinstated and brought back. And he was looking at all of his new guys. And it's like, there's the, the Azov we knew, that the fighting Nazi-esque guys, they're all dead. These are all new, brand new recruits who have nothing. And so it's just... Hearing this is just depressing because it is becoming what I've been telling people. This, These two old men who are geriatric just beating each other to a bloody pulp. And we're like, no, no, no. Get back in there. It's okay. It's like Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. It's just blood everywhere. Old man tits flapping in the wind. It's just disgusting. But, yeah. <laughs> what, would the, uh, what would a ceasefire territorial boundary look like? Is it just going right up to what the Russians have right now? Call it a day. Does it go into the complete autonomy of the annexed oblasts and just say like, all right, Ukraine, kick rocks, this is it, or is it a like what would what would that line even look like? I'm not yeah. even talking about tanks right now. I'm just talking about like how would that even work? Because you know, no side's going to do it. Yeah. Ukraine won't capitulate until they get Crimea, which they're not good. They're luck. not kidding so. it. <laughs> you couldn't. You if you had a can opener, you couldn't crack that thing. Like it just. <laughs> I don't. I don't. There is. Yeah, I think, um, I think. I think a ceasefire now would just end up like twenty fourteen to twenty thirty two again. They just both sides would keep breaking it. They keep shelling each other, and it'd just be back where we are now. I think. I, I don't think it'd work. I don't think either side would uh, commit to the ceasefire. So then, I guess, be, given given all of this. Like everything you've said, and like the set, the ceasefire won't work. Who has and, and it's basically a meat grinder. Who has the, who has the most gear? And in, in, in from what you've seen, AFE, like who's who's got the most stuff to? Uh, it's always going to be Russia. There you go. So always going to be Russia. It's just the, the amount <laughs> yeah. the amount of stuff they inherited from the USSR is is absolutely yeah. insane. Like, and to think that like if you look at um. So what was the agreement? Oh, um, I can't think. I'll, I'll, I'll get it on my phone whilst I'm talking. But um, there's, there was an agreement just after the Cold War, which was basically to sort of limit 
how many tanks and stuff people had and how many IFEs and stuff like that. And um, a lot of countries basically lied about it. So Belgium was one of them um, and Holland as well. So the Leopard ones that Ukraine got, and I think it was like Jeopards and stuff as well, um, they were basically sold off to private collections who would maintain them. Um, and they would never be on the books for the army themselves or the MOD. Um, and yeah, they'd be classed as having like, oh, this many tanks when actually they've got this many in actual reserves. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's the 1990 treaty on conventional armed forces in Europe. Um, and Russia probably done the same because apparently, I think it was 2012, I think it was, or 2014, they started scrapping all of their T-64s and stopped using them. Um, or so they said. But then they equipped uh, the DNR and LNR with loads of T-64s. And also I've seen them pulling T-64s out of storage as well, which supposedly they're not supposed to have. Same with T-55s on the books. Russia have got no, T no T-55s. Um, so I think the figure that they had before the war of 12,000 tanks, uh, I think they've probably got probably about 15,000 uh, in reality. And that's just reserves or is that total? Like uh, That's that's total including, I mean, that's that's going before the war. So what I think they've lost like 1,000 tanks according to Oryx, 1,500 maybe. Yeah. Um, so... Jeez. Yeah, they've still got all these tanks. These numbers, again, like I said, with the cannibalization and stuff, a lot of these tanks you can't really use. They don't have the parts. Yeah. Um, these tanks are going to be, um, have, have to be cannibalized a lot of them to keep most of the fleet going. So you could probably cut out a quarter of that number that are just going to get stripped. But, I mean, they've still got a lot more tanks than, um, than Ukraine have. You know, it. Matt's talked about it before where he's like, I hate friends because it's like this idea that, mm -hmm. that yeah it's like the 90s psychology of like everything's gonna be fine but you know what i'm gonna say it i fucking hate harry potter and the reason being is like it's like the chosen one will defeat the evil monster and it's like the way i don't know who is kind of leading the, the psychology behind this war but it's like ukraine's the chosen one they're gonna defeat them it's like i'm not seeing it like you're not taking out you're not killing enough russians you're not and like the more you like 15,000 tanks, like that's unbelievable. That's a, even if they are like a hundred millimeter tank, like I don't, how many tanks does America have like total, like that's, and then we have to maintain ours as well. And we're running out of reserves. And, and so I think America probably have about 5,000, I think. Let me, let me check that. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, five, I think America got, damn. You, you got a good few thousand. Yeah. 5,500 damn on the ball. But, what about the, uh, I don't know how that was impacted when the Marines got rid of our tanks oh, they, and they, gave them to the Army. I, I, I know they just went to, like, a National Guard. A National Guard unit. Oh, Matt dropped off. Guess what? There was, like, a little problem with Matt's internet, so I kind of cut it in and out. But guess what? That means I'm going to smack a commercial in the middle. So guess what? If you haven't, uh, we have a Patreon. And guess what is on the Patreon? So much stuff. I think we have, like, 16, 17 hours of bonus episodes. We've got uh, some write-ups. Um, and the best thing we also have going on over there is the Discord. And many people don't know what Kitbag actually does on the Discord. So let me tell you something. Yeah, that's my dog. Anyway, um, 
So what we have going on on the Discord right now is we have game nights where we play Red Dragon. We play each other as division commanders and try to figure out who's the best. AFV recognition is in there and he will gladly beat you with the British military. We also have physical training and we have shooting and stuff like that. In fact, this November, we're going to do a gun run. That's right. We are going to use money from the Patreon to pay for Patreon members to go hang out with me and Matt. Boys camping trip. And we are going to go do a gun run, 4K, night run, shoot, and we're going to try and win first, second, and third. We kind of made like a little soldiering club in there. So we do gun runs, we do the video game nights, we also have some game servers that we play. We're always in there messaging each other. And no, I want to be really specific. No, you do not have to be former military to hang out with us. We have 21-year-old kids who are college students who have never done anything. They're in there. They're getting in there. They're working out. They're having a great time hanging with the boys. All right, you don't need to know how to shoot a gun to hang out with us. We will teach you all that stuff. It's kind of like a little soldiering club hanging out in that Discord. You can learn everything you need to know. We'll teach you how to play these games. Some guys even buy games for each other. It's wild in there. Uh, but yeah, we use also kind of post uh, analysis and thoughts in there. So if you want to talk about stuff like that, that's in there. And all that stuff. So if you're just looking for a little club to hang out in, Consider joining the Patreon. $10 a month. $10. That's a Starbucks order. Go make coffee for yourself twice this month. Join the Patreon. Come into the Discord. Come learn how to make your kit better. Come learn how to shoot better. Come learn how to work out. Or if you know all those things and you want to teach people, come on in. We're doing all types of stuff in there. So yeah, that's the shout out for the Discord. Uh, yeah. Come on in. That's ridiculous. They have three times the amount of tanks that America has, and we're going to sit here and we're going to pretend that this this is the answer, right? Like, this is going to... They they're the chosen one. They're the good guys. Like, I, I don't think every day, like you're saying, more is coming out of the stockyard, and there's things that aren't supposed to be there that are there on the line. So it's just... Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that's that's what I mean. It's it's that classic Russian corruption. It's just like the, the Belgians in the day uh, and the Dutch did where... They weren't on the books, and I mean, I wouldn't even say it's with them. It's it's not corruption. It's just sort of bending the rules, I'd say. But I mean, the Russian corruption that they've got, there'll, there'll be a lot of tanks out there that are just unaccounted for, um, that aren't officially on the books. Yeah, and, and so they've got uh, they've got the uh, like you said, the North Koreans on tap for ammo. So it's not even like they need more tanks or. They need more whatever. They just need more ammo for this. And, like, if North Korea is willing to open the floodgates, I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I don't remember how many guns they have pointed at Seoul. It's something like a couple couple hundred. And so it's... Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure North Korea have got, the, like, the most artillery in the world. Yeah. They've also got the most man pads in the world. Uh, they're not good, but they have, like, a 100,000-plus man pads like gen 1 gen 2 man pads and so how many guns are pointed at north uh, how many guns are pointed at i know it's 60 percent of north korea's guns are pointed at seoul or, or could they could hit seoul they're in range of it uh, so north korea have got uh ten thousand artillery overall that's that's both towed and self-propelled yeah six thousand six thousand artillery pieces so that's ridiculous yeah, Matt's internet went out, and so... <laughs> but luckily, uh, I like the 56-minute mark. Um, yeah, man, this has been... 
absolutely mind-blowing to hear these numbers and like talk about this like in the most numeric way in the most military just like numbers way like if you want to make this war of attrition rushes down to play because they have three to five three four or five times as much and so it's that's heartbreaking <laughs> like how do you yeah. how do you like how do you keep going when that's like you, you're not killing enough no matter how hard you try you're just not going to be able to kill that many and it's <sighs> yeah is there anything else out there that you're seeing or like you're you're studying or looking at that you're like interested in um i've started getting um started getting interested in in, in north korean stuff i think um purely because of the, there's a bloke on instagram i don't know if you see him but kpa weapons tracker yeah um and he posts some like really really good stuff and i'm starting to look at uh north korean tanks and stuff like that and their, their capabilities but just I, th- I find it for north korea it's just like the stockpiles of ammo and stuff like that is absolutely insane like the amount yeah. of stuff they've got it's just it's always obviously it's not very capable stuff but like we said before it's just the sheer numbers that they've got is absolutely mental but yeah i'm getting quite interested in that there'll probably be some posts coming out about some north korean stuff soon i think that dope yeah when a long time ago there was a point where north korea may or may not have kicked off and like from a air assault and like airborne perspective i think i've told this story but it was like pretty much expected that the 101st was going to lose its entire aviation brigade like all the apaches and black hawks and chinooks were just going to die or like whoever was the first wave in was just going to die to the sheer amount of man pads so they're like yeah you're yeah, gonna so like go ahead i've never seen anything like it like so the, speaking out like north korean capabilities quickly it's like then when i when i speak to that kpa weapons tracker so he, i mean he's all over this but um he he's told me about like their tanks and stuff and i started looking into it and like nearly every tank has like man packs attached to it and that's yeah. like unheard of in in all tanks but like because they know they just don't have the air capability they don't they'll never gain air superiority they've just gone all out on man pads on everything yeah. and yeah, I mean, like, if, if you go up against them with, with a load of helicopters, it's probably not going to do very well. Well, that was that was, that was was going to be the answer. Like, when we were talking about it, like, so Blue 4, when we were talking about the war games, they were like, oh, we're going to use our Apaches in a way to do basically like the KA-52s did. They're going to pop above the tree line, they're going to engage, and they're going to maneuver away. But when you have, like, because it's designed that, like, two Apaches can destroy a company of tanks. But when that company yeah. of tanks has 12 man pads and then the infantry yeah. has man pads and like you're you're fighting in these valleys and crooks in North Korea that are just not designed for the Apache to work its magic. It's like you're not. That's why it's like, like you said, we're not going to go to the air. We have man pads for that. It's just when when we were doing this and we were like wargaming it as like a division, it was so wild to see that like because I mean, they're pilots, right? Like they got that like, yeah, my my dick hangs below up my knees. But like, once you start talking about the sheer numbers of man pads, like the, the, the color drains from the face. And like when the division commander is sitting there, like, no, you're going to die. Like there's <laughs> going to be no way to rescue you. Your helicopter is going to get shot down. Like, yeah, there's CMOS and there's evasive maneuvers, but like 20 years in Afghanistan and Iraq didn't, didn't do us any favors. So like those guys, those pilots don't remember, they do know how to maneuver and like avoid man pads, but not much anymore. And so like, it's just wild to see how much that's going to change. So North Korea, uh, 
they decided to take the rule book and throw it in the fire. <laughs> like, I'm just going to put a man pad yeah. on, on a Humvee. I'll put a man pad on a logistics <laughs> truck. Like, I don't care. So that's, that's going to be cool to see you going into that. Cause it's, it's weird and it's going to be wild to see. Cause I know the other thing I was going to say was like, some of their stuff is real and then some of it's fake. So like they have a lot of like their drones, like their, their gray Eagles and their global Hawks that they showed on the yeah, military did you, parade. Yeah. Did you see the one that came out the other day and it looks exactly like an MQ-9. Yeah. Yeah. It looks uh, like, I mean, obviously the internal is going to be different um, the yeah. cameras and stuff, but yeah, it looks like a carbon copy. Yeah really talk to uh be that we have some guys in the discord but the cognitive high is like he's in the aerospace industry and so he was talking i was talking about it with him he's like dude people think that a drone needs to be like a high-end fucking system or it needs to have like new motors and all this tech and he's like i could build a drone out of a lawnmower and like a, a couple <laughs> pieces from like a, a farming store to like for like windmill blades he's like and that's what iran did is the shahid is just two uh scooter motors attached to a propeller so yeah. it's, it's just like bro like it it's gonna be interesting to see you get into it because i'm sure you're gonna be like that's fake too fuck like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh dude plug your app Plug the uh, app before Lockheed Martin buys it from you for a billion dollars. Talk, talk <laughs> about the app. If I... Yeah, so I'm working on a on a massive update at the minute. Uh, it'll have pretty much pretty much going to finish off Russia, um, get everything done for them, and add in some North Korean stuff as well because I'm going to look at that and get it on the app. Um, going to change a lot of things on the app. New there'll be new categories for vehicles. Um, new features on there um stuff like almost like a basic sort of learning thing where it'll show you um just the basics so just the basic t72 model basic bmp model just so you can learn the basics before going into variants and stuff like that so yeah i think that'll probably be out probably like back end of august i think nice and then uh anything else besides obviously the page that you're almost at sixty thousand followers you're gonna I'm doing OnlyFans and just show you <laughs> playing Red Dragon and War Thunder, like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cheers for having me on. Thanks again. Yeah. No problem. Anytime, man. And uh, Matt, Matt cut out midway because he's moving, and he probably forgot to hook up his router or something. But that's Kit Bag Conversations, and like. Please, for the love of... All right, hold up. There are 300... Actually, no, it's like 500. 500 on average listeners. And we have 67 reviews. So just give us a five-star or something. God, like, I'm tired of living in my mom's basement. Fucking paying rent. Please, for the love of God, help a brother out and review the podcast. Uh, and then I'll plug a commercial for the Patreon midway through. But yeah, that's Get Back Conversations. That's AFV Recognition. Go download the app. See if you can beat him. Uh, what's your highest score? 60 out of 60? Uh, yeah, it's full marks. Yeah. yeah, see if you can beat the king of autism in tanks. So, <laughs> see you guys. Have a good one.